At this time, uh, I think Andrew and Melissa and Caleb have a special.
keep it inside i appreciate that that y'all looked like y'all had fun singing that song enjoyed it it is a song of celebration and a song that our savior lives he has arisen matter of fact god's word says that god raised his son from the dead God raised His Son from the dead. And I, and I hope and pray that everybody in this room knows Jesus Christ as their Savior. If you were to die today, do you know where you would go, where you would spend eternity? Are you, do you know that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Place your trust in Him today. We're going to continue a life of excellence and looking at the words of Jesus Christ from Matthew chapter 5 and also, of course, Matthew 6 and 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. And I have had a lot of, uh, it's been good studying and going through all of these uh uh, these words, and I pray that it'll be a blessing to you this morning. And uh, looking at this series, this morning's the message or the title, if you have a bulletin or looking onto the screen, either one is time to step up. It's time to step up. I've got to. A lot of times we sit back. We need to step up. We sit, we sit back, we don't serve the Lord with all of our energy. A lot of times people don't step up because they're, they're backslidden. A lot of times people don't step up because they're fearful. A lot of times people don't step up because they, they have sin in their life. There's a lot of hindrances to stepping up. There's a lot of things that hold people back. Fear, sin, I'm afraid, I don't know, I don't understand. Or it may be just that I'm lost and I really don't know what God wants for me. And so there's a lot of uh, uh, questions here that come into our mind. But uh, let's all stand for the reading of God's holy word. We'll just read verse 
uh, 20, I believe. And just just read that one. It's just some, kind of sums it uh, all up. Oh, excuse me, verse 19. I want to read that one. Whosoever, therefore, shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men, so he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do, that's the emphasis here, shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Father, as we bow before you, I thank you and praise you for your word that we can read today. May we be a church that is excited for you. May we be a church in the midst of revival. Thank you for the souls that have been saved these, really these, these past several months. And I thank you for just blessing our church. May we be found serving you and stepping up to a greater service in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for looking at God's Word, opening God's Word, looking at it. And, uh, you know, first of all, let's just back up to we're going to be covering uh, several verses, so we've got to get busy. And uh, let's look at verse 17 real quick. It says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. The very first point is all uh, talk and no walk. Jesus, he, he looked and dressed differently than the Pharisees. And, and you know, and he already knew, and if you do a... If you look at it, now I know that this sermon, this, uh, this I'm talking about the Sermon on the Mount, is it's in Matthew 5. And you say, well, this must have been at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. We find out that this was over the halfway point. If you do a harmony, just look at the other Gospels, a harmony of the Gospels. So he's been at it a while. He's been preaching a while, and, and he's been going after it. Now, some of the people that Jesus dealt with on a day-to-day -day basis were religious people. The name of these religious people were Pharisees and Sadducees because, matter of fact, he's going to get on down there and he's going to say, uh, talk about them in verse 20. And he's going to really draw a comparison there. And uh, But basically this, Jesus didn't look like any preacher they had seen before. He didn't sound like any preacher they had, they had even heard before. And matter of fact, he said, all these guys, and he, he said, they're hypocrites. <laughs> he said, their church, they're preaching a gospel that'll send you to hell. They're preaching, matter of fact, he said, you uh, make them twofold more child of hell than yourself. And because they're spreading a false gospel, and he really got on to them many times. Matter of fact, especially in Matthew 23, he said, woe unto you scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites and and uh, he, there's seven woes there that he preached in Matthew 23. Now, this, now, the reason he brings this up is that why does he even bring up the law? And uh, that is, he says, I don't think I'm come to destroy the law, but I came to fulfill it. And really, the Pharisees, they were destroying the law by preaching it, but not keeping it. They weren't practicing. They practiced their traditions but they weren't so basically what? It's the old saying, our walk needs to match our talk. Do you get that? Our walk needs to match. We, we say one thing, but we do another. We say, I love Jesus, but we don't tell anybody about him. 
We say that uh, I, I really, serving the Lord is important, yet we don't uh, come to church like we always should. Or we put things ahead of God's service. So Jesus is talking about this. The Pharisees talked about the law, but Jesus came to do it and fulfill it. He says, I don't, I'm not... I'm not Xing it out. I'm standing against your traditions, but the law of Moses, the word of God, I stand for it. The Pharisees were destroying it by just talking about it, but not keeping it. If you have your Bibles or just want to look up, either way, in James chapter 2 and verse 17... Just kind of look at this. This is uh, talking about the same thing here, about are we hearers or doers? Our faith is dead. In James chapter 2, verse 17, the Word of God says this, Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that thy faith without works is dead? And so basically this, if you... And James is... Remember, this is the fellow who wrote this, the half-brother of Jesus. Okay, so he had seen his brother do a lot, and he knew what his brother was very capable of. And uh, he he was a witness to his life and, and later his resurrection. And he says this, if you say, I, hey, I have faith, I have faith. I know basically like, how would we talk? I'm saying, man, I'm a member of Promised Land Missionary Baptist Church. But if we don't have anything to match it, James says, basically this, if we don't act like we're saved, if we don't show we're saved by our actions, James says, the Word of God says, our faith is dead. Dead means useless, not doing anybody any good. It's not, in matter of fact, most of the time, it's because we're not saved. If we don't have any fruit, Jesus said, well, yeah, none of you know, Jesus knew their hearts. He could look inside somebody and he could know their hearts. We can't do that. So he told the disciples, and he knew that, so he told the disciples, by their fruit you shall know them. And so just that's it. God says we can be a fruit inspector, all right? And so just looking at people's fruit. It'll, it comes out. If you're saved, it, the fruit will produce. Moving on, verse 18, back in our text, all the Word of God is important. You know, many of us have heard this Scripture. Maybe you've heard it. I hope you have. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth shall pass, one jot or tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Of course, Jesus was referring to the Hebrew alphabet. But basically this, the Word of God, all the Word of God is important. From Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21. Everything is inspired of God, is given of God. Also, verse 19, we need to be active. Uh, being active just means this. We need to, to be, be, this is the one that I, I read about. It says, now, there's a lot of people who want to teach. They want to talk. They want to do the Word of God. But verse 19 just says this. Verse 19 just says, 
whosoever shall break one least commandment and teach men, he shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But if you do it and teach it, you shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And then we'll get to verse 20. And this is what I call the, uh, uh, when their mouth fell open. <laughs> when their mouth fell open. i tell you what. Now, basically, Jesus is preaching here. He's preaching along. And uh, he's just, you know, and they're saying, okay, all right, okay. I, I understand. I'm, I'm following you. And then he said, verse 20, he said, except your righteousness. In other words, your life, you're trying to be right with God. Exceed, you have to live better than the Pharisees and the scribes. Now, what did he mean? They went, when, they, when he said that, they went, ah! That's crazy. Nobody can be better than the Pharisees. Man, the Pharisees, they mowed their yard in three-piece suits. <laughs> they mowed their yard in three-piece suits. Man, they, they looked... Like, holier than thou preachers of the Word of God. I mean, they had Bible verses from one end of their house to the other end of their house. They had pictures. They had Jesus saves bumper stickers on their camel. And then they had this and they had that. They had all the stuff. Man, they looked like righteous, holy people. And the crowd was in shock. When Jesus said, you got to do better than them. And they were, ah. you know why? Because they were hypocrites. Uh, uh. They looked like religious people. They looked like Christians. They looked like the fanciest church members of fanciest church members. If that's a word, they were the fanciest fancy religious but they were, Bible says this. You know what Jesus said? They were full of dead, dead men's bones. Ugh. you got to be better than that. So Jesus said it's not about what you look like, but what's in your heart. And he, got, and he got to that. So when their mouth fell open. Well, Jesus immediately shifted gears. And there are six times, that, and you may have it marked in your Bible, in uh, verse 21, and uh, that he said, you have heard. Uh, the next one is in verse 27. He said, you have heard. The next one's in 31. It has been said. Verse 33, you have heard. Verse 38, you've heard. Uh, verse 43, you have heard. He says it all these times. You heard this, but I say this. You heard this. But I say this, this is the way they used to do it. This is the Old Testament. This is the way they acted. This is what they believed. But I'm going to step, I think you need to step it up. Matter of fact, uh, murder with anger, which is uh, verses, just, just two verses, just two verses. This is a short blurb in a sermon. You have heard in verse 21 that it was said by them of old time. Thou shalt not kill. Now, he did address the sixth commandment. That, that's out of Exodus, okay? Exodus 20, verse 13, the sixth commandment. Thou, that's one of the ten. 
Did you know all of the Ten Commandments were repeated in the New Testament by Jesus and the other writers except for one, which is the Sabbath commandment, which is only given to Israel as a testimony. But anyway, it's all of them been repeated. So we ought to obey all, you know, all the, you say, well, we don't have to live by the Ten Commandments because uh, that's in the Old Testament. Well, all of them's repeated. And then we shifted to serving the Lord or worshiping the Lord on a Sunday rather than a Sabbath. The Sabbath was for Israel in the keeping of that. And But now we worship on a Sunday. Why? That song that Caleb and Melissa and Andrew just sang, Jesus arose on the first day of the week. And so that's the reason we worship on a Sunday today. But murder with anger. You've heard it said that you shouldn't kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of judgment. People, You'll be held accountable. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And then Jesus says, well, not only that. You say, well, you're angry for no good reason. I don't like the way they part their hair. I don't like their cologne. I don't like the car they drive. I don't like, you know, just, you know, just anybody can be angry, just personality conflicts. But Jesus said, without a cause, for no good, that's all it means, just for no good reason, doesn't amount to a hill of beans, as we all say in our redneck vernacular. Well, it just doesn't amount to a hill of beans, but it's, a, it's enough to get me worked up into a frenzy. And then he goes on to say, then you start saying, you can start talking about them and calling them names. And uh, say to his brother, Raka, which basically, in verse 22, shall say to his brother, Raka shall be in danger of the council, but whosoever shall say, thou fool. So, you know, the Raka is just an uh, Aramaic term for uh, empty head. Here, uh, thou fool. So just basically name-calling. Jesus taught this. Listen to me very carefully. Internal attitude is just as dangerous as plunging a knife into somebody. Do you see this? It's right here in red and white in your Bible, if you have a red-letter edition Bible. Your internal attitude toward people can be just as guilty before God as just going out and killing. You say, well, if that means if I'm already guilty. No, you're guilty before God right there. I heard one preacher use that logic. He said, and he was in seminary class, and, and uh, he said, because uh, Jesus says if you lust with a woman, you committed adultery in your heart. And he said, well, I just might as well go commit adultery then since I'm already guilty of it. No, you're only guilty before God. If you actually carry out the thoughts in your heart, then you're guilty before man and have brought shame upon the Lord. So it just multiplies your sin. So, if you, folks, we all have sin in our heart. And don't think that anybody in here, listen to me very closely, everybody in this room probably from teenagers up, have committed murder with their mouth. Everybody in this room, and I don't know what, you need to pick an age, but we've all committed murder with our mouth. We've, we've called somebody a name. We've become angry for no good reason. 
uh, things that don't amount to a hill of beans, get worked up. Jesus says that's dangerous. That's dangerous. You know why? Because sin originates in the heart. And did you know, you know, becoming angry and name-calling demonstrates what's in our heart. Well, then he goes on to deal with some scriptures in what I call getting things right. Getting things right. You know, anger can definitely lead to pride and bitterness. But getting things right is very important. Let's look at verse 23 real quick. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath an ought against thee. Verse 24 says, Leave there thy gift before the altar. Go thy way, and first be reconciled to thy brother. And then come altar, offer thy gift. Anger can lead to pride, bitterness, resentment, all of these things. And according to these verses here, especially if you skip on down to 25, it says... Agree with thine adversary quickly while thou art in the way with him. In other words, if you get into an argument, try to work things out right then. Matter of fact, uh, uh, over there in Ephesians, the Bible says, Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. In other words, try to work things out why, you know, quickly. Try, try to do it because you know why? So it says it here. Agree with thine adversary. Have you ever thought about this? Why does Jesus say it? Later on, Paul says it. Try to, try to work things out. You know why? Because if you don't, listen to me very closely, many of us in this room have harbored anger, bitterness, just resentment in our heart towards somebody, someone. And, I, and listen to me very closely. Jesus and Paul, of course, both obviously one is the Son of God, the other one's inspired of God. Why do they say it? Do it quickly. Work, you know why? Because the, heart, the longer you hold on to that, the worse the bondage will become. It, it does. It becomes stronger. It's like that chain gets thicker and stronger and will hold you in bondage. And that bondage is, is a cancer. It's an emotional cancer called bitterness. And it will eat you alive. Until you will not have any joy, any happiness left inside. <clears throat> the longer someone holds on to this. Matter of fact, it says in verse 26... Verily I say unto thee, thou shalt by no means come out thence till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. You, it's cost you everything. It, it will leave you emotionally bankrupt. It has been well said that the person who refuses to forgive destroys the very bridge that he himself must cross over. And that, that's what it does. So many of us in our lives... Now, either one... A lot of times people, people are, are offended by us or offended by somebody else, and most of the time they may not even know it. They may not even... You know... <clears throat> It's kind of like this, you know, 
I remember, and I've shared this story before, early in, early in my marriage, and uh, Karen would, uh, she'd be upset with me, but she, w- she wouldn't tell me. And uh, we're still working on our communication skills. When you've been married six months, that's a little bit different than 60 years. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, and I, you know, and you could see if, if I had eggs, I could have cooked them on top of my wife's head. I mean, you could see the heat and the anger is coming off there. What, what, is there something wrong? No. Or just silence. <laughs> and well, I, I sure would like to know. You know, you try to work things out. You, you know, you can't work things out. You, you know, I go up to Karen, I speak to her, and she doesn't speak back. I, and then, of course, then later on, you know, she she got better at her communication skills, and she she told me exactly what was wrong. <laughs> and but the thing is, even though it's hey, listen, listen to me very closely. It's difficult. Is it always easy to do the right thing? No, it's not always easy to do the right thing. But doing the right thing is always the best thing. And that is, you know, you what's wrong? And then if you if there's a misunderstanding, a miscommunication, or if there if you were the offending party and you didn't even know it, then you work things out only when you can communicate. But there must be communication. There must be I say, hey, I, I, we got to work things out. We got to work things out. Well, folks, the same as with friendship at work, at church, in marriage, in relationships, there must be communication. And by the way, by the way, got to throw this in there: communication, love. Now, it doesn't mean that, that one 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 party may get loud and listen. Listen, if you ever say something that you know you said, you said it in anger. You said it in anger. Be grown up enough, mature enough to say, you know what, I, I shouldn't have said it that way. And I'm sorry the way I said it, or this or that. But that's called communication. That's called maturity. That's called being a grown up. That's called uh, putting your big boy britches on and saying, I can be a mature enough individual. And I can say, you know what, I, I might have said some things out of, said things wrongly. But that's called, again, Communication, communication, communicating well. And that's what this is about. And Jesus said a lot of those people hated those Pharisees, and the Pharisees hated Jesus. And he said, we need, you need to work things out. You, did you know Jesus died for them? He gave his life for them. <clears throat> so I ask you this morning, it's time to uh, say, you know what? I need to step it up. I need to do better. I need to hit my knees in prayer. I need. I want to pray for our church. I want to pray and thank the Lord for the souls that were saved. I think we have a, a uh, 
Andrew and Melissa is going to work on our invitation, and I want to ask them to come at this time as we get ready for a hymn of invitation. And, uh, but whatever God's laying upon your heart, say, you know what, I want to pray for if your, your life is struggling, if you know relationships are struggling, if you know families are struggling, if you know that, you know what, I, my relationship with God could be better. I need to step it up. I, I don't, my walk needs to match my talk. I need to step it up. I need to do better. Now's the time. As we all stand, bow for a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for this time. Forgive us of our sins. Help us to get things right with you. And to pray for others in Jesus' name as we sing. Leave it all behind. Leave it all behind. Leave it all behind. Leave it all behind. I have what you need. But you keep on searching. I've done all the work. You keep on working Running on empty And you can't find a remedy Come to the well You can spend your whole life Chasing what's missing But that empty inside It's just not gonna listen when nothing can satisfy and the world leaves you high and dry just come to the well and all who thirst will thirst no more and all who search will find what their souls long for the world will try but it can never fill So leave it all behind Come to the well So bring me your heart No matter how broken Just come as you are When your last prayer is spoken Just rest in my arms a while You'll feel the change, my child, when you come to the well. And all who thirst will thirst no more. And all who search will find what their souls long for. The world will try, but it can never fill. Leave it all behind Come to the well Now that you're full Of love beyond measure Your joy's gonna flow Like a stream in the desert Rest in my arms a while You'll feel the change, my child When you come to the well 
Come to the well.